Coach, thank you for taking the time and want to express level of gratitude to you know guys like you, um, you know Coach Erickson, Coach Morak, guys who when I come back make me feel better than I thought I'd feel as an alum. You know, coming back definitely feels like home. I feel you know included. Um, you know, you guys are always welcoming. So, thank you. Um, and you know, your full name is not Coach; it's Charlie Manning. Uh, but I will refer to you as Coach for for the duration of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, some some background for those who, who don't know you as much. You grew up in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. I went to Stag High School, wrestled there, had a great career in high school, two-time runner-up. Went on to wrestle at Eastern Illinois University. Um, obviously, now you're here at Revis High School. Head wrestling coach, have been the head wrestling coach for quite some time now. You've coached other sports as well, football, um, tennis, uh, softball, among, I'm sure I'm missing some, but one of your girls swimming. Here you, you go. You got them all. Knew I was missing something. <laughs> um, and also the assistant athletic director. So a lot of different hats that, that you wear, a lot of roles and responsibilities. Um, so we just thank you for taking the time. And I want to get to definitely know some more about you and uh, kind of dive deep into to who you are a little bit more as a coach, as a wrestler and stuff like that. So Thanks for having me. This is a really cool opportunity. You know, uh, we love when our alumni come back as a coach. It's one of my favorite things. Like when you guys pop back in, whether it be for something like this, this is a first for me. But when you guys show up to practice, even, you know, 10 years out or one year out, I always love seeing our alumni come back, especially wrestlers. So this is a treat for me as well. Looking forward. So I want to start, and, and I sent you, you know, a few talking points that I, I wanted to touch on, but this one didn't pop up into my head until um, earlier when I was getting a workout in. As a, um, as a head coach, you know, you have two beautiful children, and I know Mason does wrestle. Um, but for the sake of conversation, let's say both wrestled. And in putting aside the, the parent-child relationship, what do you want your rest, your children to wrestle for you? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, my son's in his second year. He wrestles for Lincoln Way Wrestling Club. You know, we live in Mokina, and I've coached him uh, each of the last two years. So I'm the head coach of his group, uh, not necessarily the program, but just his group. And it is different, you know, coaching your own child. You know, all the uh, things I can separate myself from emotionally, even with your wrestlers that you're really close to, like I was with you and some of your teammates, it's different when it's your own kid. You know, you're just a little more vested, you're a little more emotional. And the experience I've had coaching, um, I've coached 18 years now in a row for high school, high school wrestling, I felt made me a little more prepared to handle that because I've coached before I had a kid. Um, I do try to give uh, as much as I can to his teammates too. You know, it's, it's very easy to get kind of sucked into working with your son and his partner at practice. So we try to rotate a little bit. And the coaches I do coach with uh, are, are good coaches. They know wrestling. So we do help out and kind of rotate around, coach each other's uh, sons. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel that over the course of my career, I've developed uh, a great sense for what it takes to be successful in the sport of wrestling, not just from uh, – a technical standpoint or from a physical standpoint, but mentally as well. So I really am enjoying uh, the opportunity to coach my son, you know, and uh, 
our family's all in. You know, my wife was a wrestling mom this year, so she was a team mom. And, uh, yeah, we're a wrestling family right now, and it's been a really good first two years for us. He's had a lot of success, and he's enjoyed it, and we're having a good time with it. The wrestling runs deep for you. You've been wrestling for quite some time. And, and, and I want to know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you, you know, I think the, the answer might be easy now, but I, I still want to ask it. If you, and I don't have the win versus loss breakdown in front of me, you know, dating back to your, you know, youth days, but if you, outside looking in, it looks like you had a lot of success. You won a lot, right? And would you have continued with the sport if you didn't win as much at an early age? You know, you get your hand raised, you get medals, you get bracket boards. If you didn't have that, would you have continued wrestling? That's a great question. And I bet you the short answer is no. Um, I tell parents that I coach now for their kids, whether it be high school or at the youth level with my son, that you do have to have a certain level of success to continue on with this sport, especially to get any better. You know, I was fortunate. I started when I was six years old, halfway through the year because my neighbor was a coach and he would drive me to practice. And I'm sure my mom was probably like, hey, get this kid out of my house. He's a maniac. He needs something to do. And I think I got pinned my first 11 matches. I was 0-11. I had no idea what I was doing. I was wearing like white Reebok uh, sneakers. I didn't have wrestling shoes yet. And uh, they kind of gave me a little extra time in the basement one day and taught me a couple things. And I think I went through a match. I didn't get pinned. And I finally won my match in like a ba- first match in the basement of some Lockport High School, I think. It was, you know, like almost like a, a coach ref match. So it took a little while. And... uh as I went through IKWF, I had success. I was fortunate to, to wrestle for the Lamont Bears with Jeff Feston. I mean, I went to the Orland Park Pioneers, coached by Joel Thole, who is a legend, uh, Mike Irwin, who runs the IKWF, you know, guys like Pete Andriotti, Paul Thole. We're just, we're awesome coaches. They were really hard-nosed, and our teams had a ton of success in the IKWF. We were very good. So it became a little bit of a, um, a pedigree or a mentality that you're good at wrestling, you work hard, and that's just the way it is. You make the sacrifices to make weight. You make the sacrifices in a tough practice. But without the success, I think it would have been hard. You know, so I, I tell parents, you, you got to have a little success early on to, to keep them involved, to keep them not just motivated but interested. So I, I do think there's a, there's a fine line on how hard to push kids without burning them out and, and putting them on the mats five, six days a week when they're six or seven years old but you want them to be competitive to, to keep them involved. If they're going out there and getting pinned every Sunday morning twice, well, that's not fun. It becomes you know, harder and harder to get them to continue doing it. So like I guess the short answer would probably be no. I like to think I was mentally tough enough to, to push through it, but it's hard if you're not winning, if you're not having some success on the mats. Was there a, a catalytic moment for you where you, know, you went out to wrestle in college and you know you have to have just a level of talent to wrestle at the collegiate level, to play any sport at the collegiate level. And was there a moment where you kind of realized, like, okay, I am better than the average wrestler? Like, was there a, maybe a match or tournament, maybe a string of tournaments? And I think for me, I think that might have occurred when, I'm trying to think back, I, I think I, I, I pinned it down to, like, one single moment, I think, in the car on the way here, but I... I think it was when I had qualified for a freshman, sophomore state tournament um, the second year. So, you know, I 
freshman year, didn't really know what I was doing and still kind of got to, you know, got there down in Springfield. And then I did it again sophomore year. And then I look back at the names in that bracket and you, you can pick and choose. It's like, okay, state qualifier, state champion, NCAA, you know, division three, you know, national qualifier, whatever. And I think it took me a little while. Um, once I knew, once I saw those names kind of that I was surrounded with, I think that's when I knew that I was doing okay. Was there a moment for you where you felt like I am, I'm not, I'm, I'm better than average, I guess. God, it's hard to think about it. Maybe just a moment. You were only a four-year wrestler too, weren't you? Okay. You came a long way. You had some tough brackets. I remember that. And you were a natural. If you had more time, it would have been, it would have been different for you. And wrestling's a sport of time. Um, my coach in college said that you just need time on the mats, drilling, drilling, learning, and you can learn wrestling from a lot of different people. It's good to be exposed to different styles, but gosh, I had, uh, you know, I qualified for state all four years as a kid. I, uh, qualified with, I think one and one in, uh, my first year and I didn't place and I placed, you know, the next three years, I was a couple of times runner up as a kid. So I knew I was a good wrestler. But there are always guys I, I couldn't catch. You know, as a kid, the guys that beat me, um, that just had my number. Maybe they were, they spent more time wrestling, whatever it was. They were just better than me. I couldn't beat them at that time. And then in high school, I caught a couple of guys that I'd never beat. You know, not just freshman year, but in, even into my sophomore year. That guys who over the years probably beat me eight to ten times as a kid. And, and I, I, I caught them. I beat them that year. So that may be one time where, as a sophomore, even though I'd already qualified for state as a freshman in high school, you're always, you know, comparing yourself to other good wrestlers. And that was probably a big one. I beat a guy who beat me in eighth grade for a state title, and I beat him at the Dvorak. And that was probably the first, you know, top-tier guy that I had never beat before, but I caught. So that was a big motivator for me and seeing some of the hard work pay off and some of my coaches, the time they'd put in. So if I had to pin it down to one moment, that may have been where I finally knew I belonged you know, as an all-state wrestler, an upper upper echelon wrestler in the state. No, one one question I've always wanted to to ask you, and I I think I've always restricted myself from asking, because I don't think I've necessarily came to terms with something that I think was a pivotal moment. Maybe not even in my career, really, like almost in my life was I I didn't qualify for the state tournament, right? I for maybe a number of reasons that, like I said, maybe I haven't come to terms with yet. And you were. You were a two-time runner-up. Do you, you know, sometimes when I, if I were driving by, you know, like Hinsdale Central High School or something, I'll, you know, I'll think of that. You know, these, this, you know, it doesn't necessarily keep me up at night, but I do think of what could have been or what I didn't necessarily accomplish. And, you know, I guess there was like a, a study on the Olympics, right? Like there was, um, the, the second play, like the the third play, the, the someone who got bronze might have been happier than the person who got, um, you know, silver, right? Because they were just like happy to get on the podium, and you know, the person who takes second or gets silver kind of kicks themselves. Where does that come into play for you? Well, yeah, there's definitely a saying: you always want to end with an odd number on the podium, right? It means you won your last match. So when you end, you take second. You lost your last match. And, uh, yeah, I think about them probably more than I should. And I tell myself it's because I'm a high school wrestling coach. I'm around it all the time. I see those schools all the time. I even see those guys that beat me from time to time, you know, over the years. 
but yeah, I mean, my when I was eight years old, I went to the IKBF state tournament for the first time. And I realized what a state champion was. And I saw a grand march for the first time. And I set a goal in my life to be a state champion. And it was something I never obtained. I took, you know, third, second, second as a kid. And, and I was a two-time runner-up in high school. Um, so I do think about it. You know, those are guys that I'd beaten before. And they'd beaten me before. You know, and, and that night, that Saturday night in Champaign, it just it didn't go my way. They were close matches. I think about them. Uh, a lot of times, you know, if I'm working out, if I'm out of run, you know, or it's getting towards February, you know, they kind of pop into my head because, you know, we're competitive. Even though you're a coach now, I'm still competitive. And uh, and you think about, you know, those tough losses. You don't always think about your victories or, or the ones that went your way, but it's the ones that got away that you just kind of always seem to remember. And again, I don't think about them every day, but I'd be lying if I didn't say they pop into my head more often than not. How do you, how do you get over that? I think I'm still trying to, because, you know, I, I had a couple ankle injuries, you know, junior, senior year at the same tournament at the same time of the, the year. The Illini, right? Yeah. Same mat. I mean, two years in a row. And I think I definitely let that affect me more than it should have. So living with that, right? Like, how do you, and it applies to way more than just wrestling and sports. Like, how do we kind of come to terms with some of these things that we, we know that we could have maybe accomplished a little bit more, could have, you know, fought a little bit harder or persisted a little bit more. And, and It's tough. It's tough. My high school coaches asked me about it too. I've seen him over the years. We've talked about those matches. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity. I was there. You know, I had no injuries. I wasn't sick. You know, I just lost. I got beat those days. And, and you have to, uh, have to accept that. Wrestling's extremely humbling because it's a one-on-one -on -one individual sport. So when you do get beat, you know, I'll call it fail, whenever, when another guy beats you, his hand goes up, there's nowhere to hide. So um, I value everything wrestling has done for me and for my family. It's given me a career. Uh, it's taught me so many things, so many life lessons. It's molded me into who I am. So while I didn't obtain a goal in the sport of wrestling, I've been very... I've been very lucky from the sport. It's given me a lot. I don't want to say I've used the sport, but I definitely have uh, I've become a better person, uh, a better husband, a better father, you know, a better friend because of the sport of wrestling. And if you look at it from a grander scale, not just of wins and losses, you know, you're going to get beat sometimes. And uh, you can't hang on to it, you know, 20, 25 years later and let it define you. You know, everybody wants to win. Myself included. Every time a Revis wrestler steps on the mat, I want him to win. Every time a Lincoln Way wrestling club wrestler steps on the mat that I'm coaching, I want him to win. And that's just not the reality. So I try to keep it in perspective. And I think about it, but uh, you just can't let it eat you up like that either. You can't dwell on the past because cause it's just that. It's over. You know? You can't... I mean, the people say you can't teach passion. And I think you can, you can love something and still not be as passionate about it as maybe you are with wrestling. I remember walking into my first meet as a freshman, and I saw the way you had interacted with your varsity wrestlers. There was, I mean, I can define it maybe just as passion. You know, you were, I don't want to say yell, because there's a, a negative connotation to the word yell, but 
you were, you know, the, the way you, like I said, the way you interact with the wrestlers, whether they're, you know, it's off the mat, on the mat. Walking into my first match as a freshman on the freshman team, I knew I wanted that. I wanted to get to that level on varsity where we had that, those interactions, that relationship. And where does that passion come from? Because like I said, I feel like you can, and maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you can love something and still not exhibit as much passion in the way that you do. Where does that, where did that start? Where does that come from? Good question too. I certainly yelled more when I was a younger coach. You know, I'd lose my voice just about every weekend. I, I still yell. I just try to pick my spots a little bit better. And I tell the kids, I'm yelling for you. I'm not yelling at you because, you know, they're always as tough as you guys were. Gosh, where's it come from? I, um, again, I just, I had success in the sport at a young age and I realized how much I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed, to be honest, I enjoyed being good at it. I enjoyed winning. And it's a tough pill to swallow when you get beat in this sport. Another guy's hand gets raised and yours doesn't. And I've always tried to do it the right way. Tried to work hard, tried to coach hard, you know, tried to believe in my wrestlers. And the passion probably grew over the years because you put in the time you vest, you know, you put time into kids, into teams, and you want to see them succeed. You know, I really tell kids that it's not about me. Well, every coach is competitive and they want to win too. It's not about us anymore. And we're trying to instill what we've learned over the years into you guys in such a short amount of time. You know, and that's, it's hard. You have to be passionate. You have to be, I'd say, aggressive, extremely hardworking in this sport because it's not, like other sports you can't just sit back and say hey it'll come to you you know you got to kind of go and get it and I've always in, in I guess want to say lucky uh, I was kind of lucky to be in this sport I was always an aggressive kid I was always pretty confident and sure of myself and I think you need a little bit of that moxie or confidence passion in, in this sport whether you're a competitor or a coach so I, I don't know exactly where it came from but I'd have to say that just over the years and seeing other really good coaches and other really good wrestlers that it kind of fostered in me and I started believing in myself more and wanting to help other kids and wanting to be a coach. I knew that, you know, even when I was in high school that I wanted to coach. One thing that I, as I get older, I've really kind of thought about this a lot maybe over the past few months is I used to think motivation was, was really loud. You see a lot of motivational speeches you know, people are, are, are getting pretty loud. But the moments I felt the most motivated, at least here in the wrestling room, at a meet, at a tournament, was when you just, when it was, I was getting ready to walk onto the mat and you just said, hey, we need six here. Or, hey, like, you know, let's go. And and it was, it was not loud. It was not, like, it was just so, like, there was a level almost, like, almost trust there. Do you, have you... Where's your relationship with trust with wrestlers and kind of knowing that at a certain point, the motivational speeches are, are, are helpful, but to where just looking someone in the eye and saying, Hey, like, this is what we need. Let's go. Where does that come into play in your coaching career? You learn, you learn kind of what motivates different kids over the years. You know, everybody's different. Every competitor is different where some guys may you know want to get yelled at and, you know, smack them in the head and they're ready to go and other guys don't respond to that you know so I definitely have learned 
handle individual wrestlers differently because, you know, it is. It's an individual sport. But that trust in the thing you're talking about there, I think that comes from just spending time together. You know, and you know, I want to say who your horses are, who your best wrestlers are in the lineup. And when you're wrestling a dual meet, you know, that's how you win dual meets. You need bonus points. And, uh, you know, you being a six-pounder, you know, I was a 103-pounder. So I definitely think that kind of uh, plays a role in it too. You gravitate to where your weight class was and, and the guys you build a relationship well, with, especially at the varsity level. But, um, you know, I've learned that 90% of your coaching is done in the practice room too. So you're not going to change too much Matt's side. The best thing you can do as a coach is, you know, tell them I believe in you, support them, you know, believe in yourself, go wrestle your match. And uh, again, over the years, I've kind of learned that you wrestle every match with the kid. So I always try to, you know, just tell them I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm with you. I'm here with you. We're doing this together. Not so much, you know, screaming at him because I don't think that always helps. You know, there's times to fix mistakes and teach, but I don't always think it should be done Matt's side. So again, every wrestler is different. I've had guys I like to yell at, hey, get them pumped up. And you were a pretty intrinsically motivated wrestler. You know, you didn't need to be yelled at. You were on weight. You were ready to go. And it mattered to you. So it's easier to motivate a wrestler, too, when, when they're all in. And when the sport means a lot to them, then you, you, know, you have that partnership, you know, that bond that you're talking about that we kind of just do it together. And, and that's when, when it's really great to be a coach, when you have kids who are all in and they want to be there and they bought into everything you're saying. You know, that's you know, the best part of the job, actually. This, this question is more selfish. On that group, that 2014 class, the Sam Almusas of the world, the Mo, Jesus, what did you see out of us that might have differed from other you classes? Four, then Kyle, Kyle right? You guys yep. were all seniors, right? Yeah. So one thing we had with that group is you guys were hard workers. You were tough. We were all lightweights, right? You guys all cut some weight. And the best way well, you guys don't even know about this, I'd wrestle you up a weight class every duel me, right? And then I'd bump you another weight class so we could wrestle Renee and Kevin underneath you guys. And we'd have seven weight classes in a row that we could kind of run the table on people for bonus points. And that was tough to do. It's one thing to wrestle up a weight class. It's another thing to wrestle up a weight class and then get bumped as well. And you five guys could do it and win almost every night. So that was pretty cool, not just from a physical standpoint, but mentally you guys were pretty tough. And you knew you were wrestling for a conference championship. You knew you were wrestling for your team. And you were very unselfish to do that. You know, you could have pinned the kid at 103 every night. or one, You know, but you went up and wrestled 119 for us, 120, and, and beat kids that you shouldn't have beat probably. You know, and that made our team a whole lot better from a dual meet standpoint. But uh, you guys were hard workers. You were committed. And you guys were fun. You were all kind of buddies. You know, that makes it easier, too, throughout the course of a long season. You know, spending 12, 14 hours a day on Saturdays. I wish I'd known what I know now because now every Saturday I take my team out to eat when we're done. I should have done that with you guys. You know, but uh, you, you learn over the coaching career, you know, what works and what, you know, helps bond teams together. But uh, you guys were just tough. And you knew you were tough. And you wanted it. You wanted it for each other. And that was... I don't want to say an easy team to coach, but it was a lot of fun to coach because you guys were all in every day. What What's changed? What have you changed your mind on in coaching over the last few years that 
you know, I, when I when I usually ask this question, it's more kind of going back to like college or even high school days. Like, what did you care about so much back then that doesn't really matter now? And I think you can answer either you one. You mean like in wrestling? Just yeah, maybe wrestling or philosophy or just maybe like a a life thing, right? Like, which can also you know you can apply to coaching or. Just what is uh what have you maybe changed your mind on whether it's philosophy or the way you even live day to day? I mean, maybe from a from a wrestling standpoint, first, I probably show less technique over the course of the season. You know, I, I think when you guys were there, I was maybe trying to show too much. You know, as a younger coach, I wanted you guys to be exposed to good wrestling and good technique. And uh, at times, maybe I showed too much, and you guys didn't have time to really drill it and develop it and really get good at it you know and you've watched really good wrestlers they don't do 25 moves they do five or six things really 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 well and they're really hard to score on you know if you want to put them in a box there but they can do different things they just wrestle their match so maybe uh, from a philosophy standpoint as a coach i probably show a little less reteach it more and come back to things a little more often and again uh with you guys we, we could grow you a little more because there is some talent and some experience in the lineup. I've had teams where they're a lot less experienced and you have to modify your coaching. So, you know, I've kind of learned that too, but over the years you can't always start showing high level technique in week two because you want to, and teams are always ready for it. So a little more reflective and looking in the mirror at, at what you have. And then when you don't have the best team, you know, which is hard, it's humbling being, uh, a little more realistic with expectations and still trying to get them better, find them success while keeping it attainable, you know? So that's been one area that I think I've just matured, whether it be because I put in the years or I become a parent myself, just being a little more reflective on, you know, they're really not that good. It's going to be hard for them to do that, but they can do this and give them the best chance they have to win. And then, I mean, from a personal standpoint, you know, as a kid, you know, a kid, a college kid, even when I was younger, I probably wasted a lot of time you know, hanging out, I don't know, you said watching movies, whatever. And now that I'm very busy and I have two kids of my own, and I'm coaching three sports and it seems like my kids are playing sports. We just go, 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 go. I find that I'm almost more productive with the free time than I have. Again, it's maturing and growing up, you know, but uh, because I have no choice, you don't have as much free time anymore and you forget when you're young, how much free time you have. So, I mean, from those two reflective points, I would say that's probably it. I'm a little more productive when I have free time because I have to be. And then I just try to assess my team a little earlier each year and what can we do, what can't we do, and give them the best chance they have to be competitive. On the first point, you would have had to do a lot to not give you to try a duck under every match. That was a duck under right to a double or something. You're very good at it. Yeah, yeah. Or and a Turk on the way down. Even even an ankle pick too. I mean, I, I loved those. But where's the, where's that balance to the second point? Where's the balance? Because I, I feel like I'm, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, you know, you're, you're a father, you're a husband, and where do you balance that with how hard you want to work? Because I, I know you. It's it's self-explanatory. Like you are a hard worker. You, you know, you spend a lot of time here. There's you know there's sacrifice with with your work and, and what you do in your career. Where do you find that balance between, um, the things that that 
you know, genuinely make you happy and working hard because you can find happiness in working hard and achieving things and accomplishments and stuff like that. How do you, do you balance that? One, I have a really good wife who picks up all the slack when I'm here and takes care of the kids. And uh, she has flexibility in her career that really has really allowed me to keep coaching. That if she wasn't doing what she's doing now, I probably would have had to give something up, if not a couple of things. So, I mean, they're long days. You know, when I'm coaching here, I get up about 5.15, I work out, I come to work, I coach. If my son has baseball or wrestling, I go coach him when I can. We walk in the door at like 8, 8.30 at night sometimes, 8.15. They're long days. So uh, I try to tell myself that you'll want this time back and it won't always be there. But spending time with your kids, you know, they're six and four. And we have, we have, we're very lucky. We have a lot of friends and a big family that we try to see. And uh, somehow we manage, we get through it, we, we do it all. You know, some weekends we don't sit down, but um, you do have to make sure, you know, when I say your family, you know, your, your spouse, your wife, my wife and I are, are on the same page that working hard is important to us. Uh, it's given us a great life, you know, doing the extra things. And then spending time with our kids and our family is important to us as well. And, you know, we just try to make it work. Every week we have a calendar, we look at it, we go, oh boy. It's going to be a busy week again. I go, I'll be here for this. I can't be here for that. And she covers it or we, we ask for help if we need to. But um, I think you find out what works for you and your family, you know, in your life. And uh, we like being busy, I guess, is the way I would put it. And uh, I think uh, before you can really enjoy the rest of your life, you got to be good at your job and you have to work hard to be good at your job. And I always think about... Uh, you know, one day when you're done working or when you're, when you're not around or kids graduate, you know, did you give them a fair shake? You know, were you fair to those kids? Did you give them an honest effort? And that kind of motivates me a lot because I don't want to be a coach or even a teacher that says, oh, man, he didn't care. He just showed up and, you know, he just sat there. He didn't want to coach wrestling hard. He sat in the corner, blew the whistle. You know, so I, I can't do that. If I ever get to that point, I have to you know, stop coaching, but... I got a little energy left, and we're only about halfway through my career. So just take it you know, day by day, week by week, and, and get through it. When it comes to wanting what's best for you know, your athletes, I feel like sometimes there's um, 14 to 18-year-olds think they know everything, think they know what's best for them. Where, how do you build that, that trust? Because I remember specifically one me we actually had clinched our side of the the conference at Tinley Park in 2014 and you had your other ground because I wouldn't let you wrestle you didn't let me wrestle and I was was pissed I was pissed and um you know looking back now at the age of 26 I can appreciate that but you know how do you make those decisions that you do you you know that, like, in the moment, and maybe even for years after, they might, like, be pissed. And not to the point where I'm like, oh, you know, F man, Coach Manning, but it's to the point where, like, oh, man, I wish I would have wrestled in the, you know, conference clinching meet. But, you know, like I said, hindsight, it's like, okay, like, he was looking out for my best interest. How do you find that that middle ground where I, I know what they want, but I know what they need? It's a good point. That's part of... I guess our profession or even parenting is uh, we don't always, we don't ever get to see like the full finished product. You know, you might see kids be conference champs or even state champs, but you don't, the time and effort you put into kids, 
they take it with them and hopefully they turn into really successful young men like you and they're hard workers and you can say, hey, I had an impact on him or, or her. But um, you got to remind yourself that they're kids, you know, and, and I don't take things personally. You know, kids, uh, a really smart guy told me this years ago, he said, kids are not dumb by any means. They just, they make bad decisions sometimes. You know, you don't always think it through as an adult might. Adults make mistakes too. Let's get serious. But uh, try to keep that in mind. Try to, you know, make decisions that are in their best interest without deterring them from, especially a sport like wrestling that's very hard. But uh, I, in the beginning of my career, I was probably a little more aggressive to tell a kid when they were wrong. I can get in their face and tell them why I was right. And that didn't always go well either. I think I had kids quit because you chew them out and tell them what they did was wrong and they should listen to me and you were late for practice or you did this move wrong. So I've tried to, uh, you know, keep them with me. You know, if I run a kid off or I ruin that relationship, I can't help them anymore. And you say it's four years, but if you quit on me as a sophomore, if you quit on the team, I can't help you junior and senior year. So I've probably learned to accept a little bit of mistakes and, hey, we can't do that. You know, this is why, or, hey, you were late for practice again, and, and try to keep them on the right track and try to keep reminding them without, you know, running them off, I guess, is, is my point of view. And just remember that they're kids. They're going to make mistakes. That's part of the learning process. You got to accept some of that, you know, in this profession. What what life lessons have you taken from, from wrestling? I I don't know if I would have accomplished, and not to say I'm like super accomplished, but um, I mean, even just past few months waking up, you know, I used to, used to wake up, not, not late, but I would just in time to maybe eat something really quick and then hop on my nine o'clock meeting. And now I am trying to see how much earlier and earlier I can wake up in the day so I can fit more into my day, more productive things, you know, working out. And now I'm working out every morning, getting to the gym by 730. Um, you know what, maybe I'm trying to read a little bit more in the morning too. And just, I don't think I would have been able, maybe it's discipline and consistency and, but I don't think I would have been able, am able to do these things without wrestling. What has come into play for you that you maybe like directly attribute to the sport? There's a, there's a lot of things. I, I think you're right. Athletes in general, I think are a little more successful or hardworking than someone who wasn't an athlete, just from the time management standpoint, the sacrifices. But when it comes to wrestling, I, I kind of hang my head on a couple things and I try to instill in all of our wrestlers. You know, one is is work ethic. You know, very rarely you're gonna see a, a good wrestler who is who gets outworked in life. You know, I say you can take hard work with you no matter what you do in life. If you're tough and you work hard at it, you can be successful. So the work ethic is a big thing. Because, like you say, that alarm clock goes off every day, Monday through Friday. We all like our job, but there's still work. There's still sacrifice every day you have to make to be successful. You know, no one's going to feel sorry for you if you don't have, you know, the toughness to do it. So work ethic is a big one. I really think um, wrestling teaches mental toughness. You know, it's a humbling sport. It's not just physically tough. It's mentally tough. You know, competing one-on-one and just going to practice for two, two and a half hours, day in and day out. And working that hard, you have to be a mentally tough person. And I think to be successful in life, you have to be pretty mentally tough too. You know, I mean, there's going to be days you just don't want to do what you have to do. But 
hey, you got a 14-hour day, you get up and go do it. So those are, are two of the biggest for me. And you could talk to 30 coaches, they'll probably give you 30 similar answers. And the last one that I think wrestling does for, you know, especially guys like us who are smaller is it always gave me confidence. And I was good at, I was good at something young and it gave me an identity. My friends knew I was a wrestler. You know, I was the smallest kid in every group of friends I had. You know, I still am. But it gave me confidence at a young age. It gave me an identity. And I think that's important too. You know, it's what athletics really does. It gives kids that confidence, it gives them a group of friends. You know, they, they have their buddies, they have their teammates. And, uh, and it's a big part of life is, is how do I fit in? You know, what's my role? And then you meet people that way, you know, you, if you're confident and you're sure of yourself, I guess. So those are the three biggest, I think, that I've taken away from the sport and that have helped me just as a, as a person. Hey. The Revis, Revis community, uh, you know, I touched on it earlier. The Revis community means a lot to me. Um, you know, like I said, when I come back, I feel like, you know, it sounds so like cheesy, but like it feels like home. You know, I come back and and you know I'm I feel like I'm taken care of by like I said guys like you and Erickson. I always have a always have a spot in the dugout with, with Erickson, and that's much appreciated. Um, what does it mean to you? Because I know you you've been here for for a long time. What is you know the relationships? Not only I mean with your coworkers, uh, with your athletes, with alumni. Um, what is, what is the, the community meant to you? Yeah, it's, uh, I've been here 16 years, you know, and I went to Stag High School, so not far away. It was similar demographics as far as the high schools growing up. And, uh, I felt right away, I kind of aligned with, with Revis, with the community. They're blue collar, they're hardworking, they're tough. And I was very lucky I fit right in. You know, the, the community really accepted me, uh, Revis High School, the school board, gave me an opportunity to be a head coach when I was really young. I think I was only 26 uh, when I got the job. You know, so I've always uh, been very appreciative of that and their confidence they've instilled in me. But uh, it, it's a big deal to be a head coach at a high school that's been around since 1950. You know, and I, I'm very loyal. You know, I don't ever want to leave Revis High School. I have no intentions on leaving. I'm going to work my career, my whole life here, you know, 33 years to, before you can retire. And uh, I, I like that. You know, I, I like when, you know, you pop out somewhere, you go to a restaurant with the kids, people know you, alumni come back. You know, and I've always tried to respect those that did it before me. You know, Coach Novak and I spent four good years together, and before that it was Coach Stearns, who was, you know, 17-year head coach. He's one of my closest friends still to this day and one of my strongest mentors. So I've always, you know, tried to look at it from that aspect as well, but it's, it's not really my program. I'm just lucky enough to watch over it right now for, for Revis High School and for Burbank. And I try to keep that in mind. You know, when you meet an older guy who wants to tell you a story about his days here in the 70s or the 60s. And, and I like that nostalgia and I like, uh, I like being part of that. It's my uh, second to last one. When you, when you walk into that wrestling room, even when no one's in there, just walk in. What do you what do you feel? What is it? What does it feel like? What is it? Do you uh, not in the not in like the the weird type of? But do do you hear things? Do you hear whistles? Do you hear you know, guy you know the crowd? Do you like 
What do you experience when you walk into that wrestling room by yourself? Did you get hit with nostalgia? Do you get hit with, and you still, you still have many, many more years. Um, this by no means is a look back on your career, but what do you, what do you experience when you walk into that room alone? I remember some of our close duels up there. You know, we've had some close ones with Argo or, you know, Oak Forest over the years, right, when you guys were here. So I remember some of our close conference matches. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I take a look at it, make sure it's not messy from somebody else being in there, like a gym class, to be honest with you, because that is our space. You know, I like to take some ownership of it. But uh, to be honest, a, a lot of times when I'm in our wrestling room, I feel some expectations. You know, I, I take uh, coaching very seriously. And I always want to make sure that I'm doing a good job, that I'm not missing anything, but I'm not, you know, shortchanging our wrestlers. I'm not forgetting to teach them this, or I'm not putting them through enough conditioning. So when I'm up there a lot, you know, it's kind of where I do my hardest work, in my opinion here, you know, from 3.20 to 5.30 or every every day during the winter. But uh, I enjoy being up there. I feel at home. You know, I shower up there just about every day, whether it's before school or after school. But... Uh, I feel some expectations, to be honest. I'm the head wrestling coach at Revis High School, and I want to put out the best wrestling team I can for this school and make those kids that have committed to the team the best wrestlers they can be. And and, uh, and I take it seriously. You know, We don't always win. I'd like us to be a little more competitive than we have been the last five, six years. But uh, I always give it my best effort, and and I like, I like being up there. You know, I, I couldn't imagine wrestling anywhere else here. I'd hate to have to move mats every day. We're pretty lucky to have what we have up there. But yeah, yeah, I'm up there a lot. And when I'm up there, I'm usually thinking about how can we get better? What are we not doing good enough right now that other teams are? So question myself a lot when we are up there. I always end with, with one. Um, what makes your story so unique, but also so relatable? So achievable for someone who wants to have as much passion as you do for something. Someone who wants to be as good of a father as you, because those are, um, I think my, my role models are definitely, you know, fluctuating and it's changing. I feel like even by the day, you know, um, you know, sometimes we, we want a lot and it's like, well, actually you can like, great life is having such passion for something being a great father a great husband um you know and you're someone that you know a role model that hasn't fluctuated or that hasn't left as you like I, I look up to you and um so for someone who who wants um you know just as much as you give to life to to athletes to your wife your kids um everyone around you what makes your story unique but also so so relatable that anyone can can do it I appreciate that for one, you know, you know how much we enjoyed coaching you when you were here. And uh, this is really cool, by the way, but this is neat. I always love seeing alumni, but this is awesome that you're doing this and doing so well. God, I don't know if my story's all that special. Um, you know, I was just a kid in Payless Park. I had great parents who supported me. I was born in between two sisters who were awesome. You know, so I always joke, I don't know how I became a tough wrestler with two sisters. You know, I should have been, uh, should have been pretty soft, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I got into wrestling. Uh, it stuck. My family supported me in it from day one. And it always mattered to me. You know, it always mattered to me. I wanted to be a good wrestler. 
And uh, I learned to work hard at it. Again, I had really good coaches over the years that that, uh, that instilled that in me. And I was fortunate enough to be at Stag High School. Both of my coaches are IWCO Hall of Famers. My head coach is in the National Hall of Fame. His name's Dave Anderson. So him and Terry Mulrunnen and even guys like Tim Filippini who you know, coached me, you know, I was fortunate. And I'd never lost sight of that. That from day one, I've had really good people around me who put a lot of time into me and, and helped me you know, stay on the right path. And I needed more help than most at times. You know, I was, I was a kid. I made mistakes. So I, I guess, you know, you're, you're to touch on the, the, uh, the role models changing, as you get older and you mature in life, like your wants will change too and what motivates you will change. You know, there was so long all that motivated me was I wanted to be a state champ. And I wanted to work at wrestling, and you know, I had friends, and I went out, and my social life was important to me. And then you know, I'll go to college, you want to get a job, you want to have a career, make some money, and like you know, slowly but surely start maturing and adulting, if, if you want to call it that. But uh, I've, I've always thought that what's helped me or made me a little unique is if I wanted something, if I wasn't happy, I never pointed fingers or complained. I never made excuses, and I think that's important that I just said, okay, if I want to do this, I have to work harder at it. If I want to achieve this, well, I have to work harder at it. And that's one thing that I, I would say has defined me or something I've always said to myself, well, I don't care how hard it gets or what comes at me in my family and life, we can get through it. It just might be hard. So I don't know if I'm special or any different than any other wrestler or wrestling coach, but uh, I know that I'm fortunate. And over the years, I owe a lot of my fortune to other people who've helped me. And I, uh, I think that's important that when you have success, when you are successful, there are people that helped you along the way. And I, I've never lost sight of that. Thank you. This, is, this has been fun um, conversation that I don't think, you know, if you told me we had this when I first met you back in like 2010, I don't know if I would have believed it. Like this is, this is cool. This feels in a way full circle, but by no means the the end of that circle you know i hope we continue to stay connected i'll definitely come and hang out and roll around as much as i can we'd like that you're welcome anytime you know that and this was awesome thanks for having me